0: That is the bell at the New York Stock Exchange there as the market comes to a close, plunging at latest count more than 1,100 points. At worst during the day, it was down some 1,500 points. The Dow's worst week now in more than two
1: years. As the stock market was plummeting at a historic rate, I was carrying out interviews asking people about their stock research habits. As you can imagine, it led to some very interesting moments, like during an interview, one person took a deep breath and said, you know, many people could retire on the amount of money I lost today. Yeah, I didn't know how to respond to that either. But by the time the interviews were over, the markets had bounced back, which really highlights the importance of what we're going to talk about today, stock market research. How do people know when to buy and sell stock? How do you even know what stocks are good in the first place? According to a Gallup poll in 2017, only 50% of Americans own any stocks, and yet investing is a crucial part of wealth creation. I've recently seen a big change in my group of friends when it comes to trading stocks. A lot of them are using an app called Robinhood, which was created for millennials in their 20s and 30s. I'm an avid Robinhood user myself, and while I love the app, I find that researching stocks is a super cumbersome process, so I wanted to see if other folks felt my frustration and if there were any opportunities for new solutions to help casual traders like me in researching stocks. I'm Luis, and this is Market Ready Startup.
2: If I have an interest in a company Because I've looked at it in a magazine like Economist or read about it in a book or something like that, I'll Google it and then I'll just update. I'll just go do the filterings by the newest news for that company and just see what people are talking about. But no, I don't really have a structured way of looking up my companies I've positioned in.
1: That was Matt, a friend of mine and business school classmate. He's a young professional working at a big tech company and an active retail investor. That clip perfectly represents the feedback I heard over and over about discovering stocks to invest in. Other common responses I heard to the question, how do you find new stocks, were newspapers like the Wall Street Journal, TV shows, CNBC, social media, blogs, Motley Fool, Seeking Alpha, and Word of Mouth. But I think those were all pretty unsatisfying answers because they were all seemingly arbitrary. You have to catch the right article or news segment at the right time, or a company has to be so newsworthy that you really can't miss it. Now this is obviously a big problem. If the big gains to be made in stocks are buying low and selling high, it seems really important to be able to get the right stocks on your radar at the right time. Several people that I spoke with said they would love to see a tool that would help them get information on stocks that they should know about. Now, in the same way that Netflix and Spotify are so good at predicting what I want to listen to and watch, wouldn't it make sense that a tool could guess stocks that I might like based on my past investments? And there are already tools called stock screeners where you can find stocks based on certain criteria you enter. But these are limited to financial metrics, meaning I enter some ratios or price inputs and the system gives me a list of stocks that meet my criteria. What I gathered from my interviews is that people want a system that takes macroeconomic data to gauge how the overall markets are doing as well as sentiment analysis on an individual company to provide a much richer snapshot of a particular stock or even a sector. There are lots of opportunities for predictive analytics to transform the process of discovering new stocks and move beyond the randomness of reading articles and watching shows and the simplistic nature of most stock screeners.
0: I think financial advisors are primarily salespeople, by and large. They are salespeople. They're certainly not the ones who are actually pulling the trigger on your trades. You know, usually they have a company will have a whole fleet of offices from coast to coast, but the people doing the trading for the entire firm, like an Edward Jones or a um, maybe a Raymond James, they're located in one off one central office. You know, in Maybe New York or Chicago or I think Edward Jones is in Nebraska. Anyway, um, you know. So, so one of the questions I've asked is, are you telling me that I can't speak to the person who's actually going to be doing the trading with my capital? I have to speak to one of the financial advisors who works for the same company but isn't doing the trading themselves. And the answer is yes. And for most people, maybe it doesn't matter so much because. They don't have the education enough to ask questions that the financial advisor couldn't answer.
1: That was Mark, an industry expert and professional investor. But what he's talking about is the other most common way in which people discover stocks, by outsourcing the work to experts who will pick stocks for you for a fee. If this were a movie, without a doubt, the villain would be the folks who claim to be experts in picking stocks. Financial advisors and stock analysts got overwhelmingly negative reviews in my interviews with basically all the experts calling them salesmen, saying they don't know how to pick stocks, and that all they're really after is collecting their fees, not making the best picks for you. Many of the experts I spoke with said there is a black box when it comes to judging analysts' performance, and they really have no idea who's a good analyst and who's not. So the high fees... The lack of transparency and the really bad reputation of stock analysts and financial advisors makes it clear to me that they will be disrupted. We're already seeing automated advisors called robo-advisors gain popularity as well as interesting uses of crowdsourcing on social media for stock advice and I only see this sector taking off. There's still a lot of room for innovation and as I mentioned before, I think this will be an area where predictive analytics and a better understanding of the user's stock strategy or preference will produce popular new products.
2: I mean, who would have who would have invested in Amazon six years ago and had an unbroken record of losses? Who's going to do that? And uh, and I I don't know what financial financial markers one would um, assess to give you an idea that it would continue to to rise beyond all expectations. What, what earnings per share? uh subscribers revenue what what parameters do you use i don't think i don't think any of those really predicted result success so it's their success is strategic somebody said oh these people are going to own online commerce beyond anything we can even imagine including healthcare. and that's they're they're going to be the gorilla and that's the place to be well okay that's that's a, in retrospect, that's a good analysis, but that's not financial. That's strategic.
0: There's technical analysis and fundamental analysis, right? Um, technical analysis is all about looking at charts and looking at momentum of the, the movement of the stock price itself, regardless of the underlying aspects of the company whose who's, who's stock you're trading. Um, because the the theory there is that everything that's possibly knowable about that company is already baked into the price. Um, So really, uh, you should only look at where the price is going, has been going the next few days, where it should be going the next few days based on uh, momentum, uh, volume of trades, that kind of thing. Um, And it's a very short-term focus. Um, Then there's the other side of
1: Unfortunately, that last call you heard was filled with technical issues, so I had to cut off the clip. But the person you heard speaking there is Bryant, an industry expert who has worked in stock market-related software for years, selling data to institutions so that they can make better decisions about investment. The first voice you heard was HB, another industry expert and a professional investor. What these guys both are talking about is the importance of selecting your investing strategy. As HB mentioned, the biggest returns are many times not obvious by looking at the financials. As he talked about, Amazon was bleeding money for years before they turned a profit and are now an absolute runaway success. But if you were simply looking at financial metrics, you would have no doubt missed the upside on Amazon. So he's encouraging folks to take a more strategic approach to investing. Look at macro trends in the economy and society and place long-term bets before most people realize the opportunity. Having previously worked in venture capital, this really struck a chord with me because I really hadn't thought of applying more of a VC mindset to finding stocks. Now, Brian's comments were related to more traditional stock investment thinking. You can focus on short-term investing, fixating on fluctuations in price. That's what he talks about when he's talking about technical analysis. Or you can take the Warren Buffett approach and look at the underlying fundamentals of a company everything from management team to competitive advantages and make your own assessment of whether the stock is undervalued and place a long-term bet on the price going up over time. The strategy you take is crucially important to investing in stocks and from listening to the experts, it seems clear to me that there is a massive problem with education related to stock trading. The experts by and large agreed that most people aren't educated well in the variety of stock investment strategies and the different investment types that we can all make.
0: Maybe looking to buy stocks, maybe with a, a stop loss or a profit target, some, some basic types of alerts. And that's about all. But buying securities and going long is just one of many different ways of investing. You can also short stocks. And then when you get into the world of options, there's all kinds of different things that you can do. And I don't think uh, most investors are aware of that sort of thing or or have the education to do it.
1: The fact that every expert mentioned the lack of well-informed retail investors really surprised me. I thought the problem would be that there was too much information given all the investing books, shows, and blogs I regularly see. But turns out there is still a massive opportunity to better educate casual investors on different strategies or investment types. There is one important caveat as far as startup opportunities. Make sure you understand your audience well and come up with products that make it easy for them to find, use, and understand how to invest. And let me address what I thought was a sad discovery from my research that can hopefully end up as a good thing in the long term. Notice that in this episode, only one gender is represented. I was shocked by the low number of women participating in the stock market. And according to a Harris poll in 2016, 75% of millennial women felt negatively about stock investing, saying investing is confusing. I think there is a huge and important opportunity to create women-focused investment products. And to make the push to get more women participating in the stock market even more obvious, guess what? According to a study done by Fidelity Investments, women are better investors than men. So investment education is still a large unmet need. And when you focus on the market for women, there is a monumental need. But again, it's vital that you research your audience carefully as investor education is a competitive space. It just seems that the solutions that are out there right now are not properly connecting with younger, more casual investors. So why aren't more large companies focused on this young, casual investor? According to our experts, the reason is simple. There is much more money to be made in satisfying larger institutions than individual investors. According to Bryant, focusing on individual investors would mean large marketing budgets, and for companies that are used to large deals with businesses, there is simply not as much money in it for them. The reality was reflected strongly in my interviews with casual traders. They talked about friction-filled experiences with online brokerages, everything from cumbersome sign-ups and onboarding to terrible technology and high fees. This is a perfect scenario for young startups to enter the space. Let the incumbents fight it out for large institutions while you build niche products for specific customer markets that are being strategically cast aside by the gorillas. There is competition for consumers from the robo or automated advisors, and I did ask the expert if there was even any point in entering the stock market research space if machines are going to be doing the work in the near future. The experts seem to think that there is not nearly as big of a threat from robo-advisors currently as there are still gaps in data that are major hurdles for automated advisors. I'll summarize the points that Brian made, given the call quality wasn't great. He said that data is not available for most previous market crashes, so robo-advisors won't be able to spot them coming, whereas humans still can. He mentioned that you cannot get data for dead tickers and that most of the good data available to be fed into these machines only go back to the 90s. He does think the picture can change in 20 years when machines will have lots of relevant data, but that's still a ways away. So let's start with an an investor. You are an investor. You're investing into, let's say, a hotel company. Um, you have data that comes from uh, things like Bloomberg. okay? And this data is available to everybody. This data, what am I talking about? It's stock prices, it's company earnings, it's all the regular stuff that, if you're familiar with uh, investing, it's all the stuff that you, an investor has used for, for many, many years. So alternative data is really defined as everything, all the data sets that feed that investment process, that is not standard, that does not come from Bloomberg, that is something different. That was Gene, an expert in the new field of alternative data. As Gene describes, alternative data is new data that goes beyond the traditional financial metrics used by Wall Street to gauge company performance. During my interviews, I heard a jaw-dropping example of the power of this data. Remember a few years back when Chipotle was all over the news after a series of salmonella cases in their restaurants? Well, unbeknownst to most people, Foursquare, the popular check-in app, noticed a 30% drop in foot traffic at Chipotle stores. They took that data and sold it to a hedge fund that shorted Chipotle stock. A few months later, when Chipotle did their earnings report, guess how much sales dropped by? Exactly 30%. The hedge fund made a boatload of money because they had early access to this highly relevant alternative data. With alternative data, investors can have demand and supply information in real time. Why is it so exciting to me and hopefully to you? Because it is a relatively new field with very few players, and once again, the focus of the industry seems to be in servicing large institutions and not the casual retail investor. This is an area where Internet of Things developers and entrepreneurs can have a field day, as they are already making lots of devices smart, connecting them to the internet, and collecting treasure troves of data. Based on my research, there's a mostly untapped application of these devices, which is to track real-time supply and demand. For entrepreneurs, this presents a great opportunity to research how demand can be better tracked in any industry and come up with new sensors, new devices, or clever ways to capture relevant data that will be more telling of consumer sentiment than what can be found in an earnings report. So let's recap. There are good startup opportunities for predictive analytics to use your prior investments as well as your investment strategy to deliver stock recommendations. There's great opportunity to better educate casual investors and in particular to educate women and get them actively participating in the stock market. Alternative data can potentially transform stock market research as it can track customer demand in real time and give retail investors a leg up even on the most well-researched firms on Wall Street. I hope you have several new business ideas and start doing your own research and refine those ideas until they're market ready. If you're looking for someone to collaborate with or continue the conversation about this episode, join our Slack group. Send us an email to ideas at marketreadystartup.com to request access or to give us your thoughts on the problems we talked about today. I'm Luis. See you next time.